That's a little microphone. Tonight on the Fifth Estate, an unprecedented moment in Canadian crime and justice as it took place and is seen by people who know what happens in the mind of a killer. Well, again, Russell, I appreciate you coming in uh, an investigation like this. I mean, I'm sure you can appreciate it's been big news, uh, especially yeah. down uh, Belleville Way. It started with the police interrogator's version of small talk. We're fast-forwarding things that we might normally take our time with, mm -hmm. um, and that's why uh, we're here on a Sunday afternoon. Sure. So, uh, again, I appreciate it. And I'm quite sure at that point, it's in everybody's mind. He's not walking out that door a free man that night. For a while, there was denial. Okay. Have you ever visited uh, uh, Marie Franz Como at her residence? No. Okay. All right. Um, so you're quite positive there would be no reason why your DNA would be in any of those three locations. Now what he's doing is trying to figure out an explanation to give this guy. Because he knows, man, I am screwed. I am so screwed. It would come down to the two men in the room, the commanding officer and the detective. Your vehicle drove up the side of Jessica Lloyd's house. Your boots walked to the back of Jessica Lloyd's house on the evening of the 28th and 29th of January. Okay. You want discretion. We need to have some honesty, okay? Because this is, this is getting out of control really fast, Russell. Okay, really, really fast. He was taught to be a commander. He was taught to be a leader. He was taught to segment, take the emotion away, put it there. But Colonel Russell Williams was about to learn that he was no longer the one in charge. Russell, you know there's only one option. What do you, what do you, what other option is there? What's the option? Well, I don't think you want the cold-blooded psychopath option. He's looking at him. He knows he's just dropped the first bomb. This is the beginning of the end. On this special commercial free edition of the Fifth Estate, inside the interrogation room. There's a huge search still underway, and it'll continue. It'll continue until her body's found. That might even happen tonight, for all I know. We got you. Now, pony up, buddy. Now's time to man up on this thing. Quit acting like a little girl and tell me what happened. Yes. Good evening, I'm Bob McEwen. Welcome to the Fifth Estate. The picture is not high def. The camera angles are a bit off. The leading man sometimes wanders off screen. But what takes place in the interrogation and confession is more gripping and real than anything ever seen on CSI or Law and Order. When he walks into that room, Colonel Russell Williams is commanding officer of CFB Trenton, Canada's largest, most important airbase, a top pilot who prides himself on discipline and self-control. Ten hours later, he's a confessed murderer and sexual predator. How he goes from one to the other is a fascinating view of police tactics, the power of persuasion, and sheer evil. We haven't seen anything like it, and we think you likely haven't either. The interrogation would take place here, 
at police headquarters in Ottawa. It was Sunday, February 7, 2010. Russell Williams was spending the weekend at the new home in Ottawa's West End that he and his wife had recently moved into. In the early afternoon, he got a phone call asking him to the police building to answer a few questions. He reportedly said he'd be back for dinner. We don't know what went through his mind as he drove downtown, but there certainly was a lot for him to think about. It had been 10 days earlier, January 28th, that a 27-year-old woman named Jessica Lloyd returned from an evening out to her house on Highway 37, a 20-minute drive from Russell Williams Cottage in Tweed, Ontario. She sent a final text message to a friend before calling it a night, according to her brother Andy. It was said night, night, I believe it was. It was just kind of saying that was it and assumed she was on her way to bed because it was 10.30 and she had to work at, you know, 8 o'clock in the morning. And yeah, so that was the last anybody heard from her was that text so. message. A few hours later, about 3 a.m., two local men drove along that same stretch of Highway 37. They noticed an SUV parked in a field next to an isolated house. They kept driving. It would be a while before they understood exactly what they'd seen. Later that day, Andy Lloyd got a phone call from his mother. His sister Jessica had never arrived at work. Andy went right to her house. That's what was so weird is because everything was there, you know, which why we couldn't figure out what had happened because all of her identification and I mean her cell phone and her purse and things people don't leave home without were there. The whole town was looking for Jessica. Family, friends, members of the public, police forces, even search and rescue from CFB Trenton. Word spread across Ontario. And that's when the men who'd seen the SUV noticed emergency vehicles around a house on Highway 37. It was Jessica Lloyd's house, the same one that was next to the field where the SUV had been parked. That's when the men went to the police. Officers found tire tracks in the field and boot prints near the house. The Ontario Provincial Police set up roadblocks, checking the tires of cars on Highway 37, looking for a match. On Thursday, February 4th, one of those they stopped was Colonel Russell Williams, driving his SUV. They checked his tires, then let him go. Unbeknownst to Williams, he was under police surveillance from then on. At the same time as the OPP was investigating the disappearance of Jessica Lloyd, they had three other unsolved cases in the same vicinity, a murder and two sexual assaults. All had possible links to Colonel Williams. The assaults took place in his Tweed neighborhood. The murder victim was Marie-France Como, a corporal at CFB Trenton. In fact, a military flight attendant who'd once flown with him. But it's likely that investigators never put it all together until they stopped Williams at that roadblock and matched his SUV's tires to the track found in the field. It is just before 3 p.m. on Sunday, February 7th, when Russell Williams arrives at Ottawa Police Headquarters. Inside, he's ushered into an interrogation room the OPP has borrowed for the day. It's sparsely furnished. Two chairs, a desk, nothing mounted on the walls, but two digital cameras. One pointed at the investigator, Detective Sergeant Jim Smith. 
the other at Colonel Williams. Veteran U.S. homicide interrogator Paul Cialino knows how it all works. Everything is controlled from the minute you bring him in that room, okay? The way, where you're sitting, where he's sitting. You never want to put a desk between you and anybody, okay? Never. You never interview from across a desk. You always want to get close. You start out kind of far, but as the interrogation goes on, you move in closer because you want that physical, you want that intimate touch with somebody. I'm um, just going to move your gloves here. That's a little microphone, just to make sure there's nice and clear. Um, as you can see here, everything in this room is uh, videotaped and audio taped. Check. Uh, you ever been interviewed by the police in a, in a room like this before? I have never been interviewed like this. Oh, no? Okay. Let's get this out of here. I guess the closest to interview by NIS for top secret clearance. Oh, yeah. But even mention of his top secret clearance will have no effect today. Before it's over, this interview will be the most important conversation Russell Williams will ever have. It is about 3 p.m. on February 7th when Colonel Russell Williams enters the police interview room in Ottawa. You ever been interviewed by the police in a, in a room like this before? I have never been interviewed like this. Oh, no? Okay. Whatever he's told himself about why he's here today, he appears relaxed about the invitation to answer questions. He clearly knows it's about the disappearance of Jessica Lloyd. You know, obviously our approach to cases like this is that uh, uh, we don't give up on somebody being alive until mm -hmm. we get evidence that they're not. So. Um, because of that, we're treating uh, Jessica's case uh, as an emergent situation, obviously. Yeah. Uh, the interviewer is Detective Sergeant Jim Smith of the Ontario Provincial Police. He's been preparing for this moment for days. I have a simple rule when I talk to people. It's, uh, I'm sure you're the same way. I, I treat everybody with respect. I don't ask you to do the same for me. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to start off by uh, going through um, what your rights are, okay? okay? Just like everybody else, okay? okay. Mark Mendelson is a former Toronto homicide detective and the man who interrogated Carla Hamalka. The investigator comes from the Behavioral Sciences Unit of the OPP. He's a trained polygraph uh, technician, so he's obviously an excellent interviewer to begin with. But they sat down with their body of evidence and with the psychiatrist from the Behavioral Sciences Unit, sort of developing a profile of what Williams is and what he's most likely to do when certain questions are put to him. So that if he answers A, they follow this path. If he answers B, he'll follow this path. So there's no surprises. They, it was all laid out long before he walked in that room. Smith reminds Williams he's not under arrest and is free to go at any time. If there's anything that comes up in our interview today, Russell, that, uh, that you feel you want to talk uh, to a lawyer about, Sure. Um, you just uh, you just let me know, okay? Sure. Now he could have called him Colonel Williams. He could have called him Sir, sure. and but he did. And you'll, and you'll notice during the course of the interview, he never calls him Colonel because what that does, and I would have done, and I think any other homicide would have done the same thing, is it, it, it puts him on a on a different level, on a different plateau. He's got to be Russell from Tweed. He's got to be the guy that lives in Tweed, and you don't give him that respect and don't give him that power of being called Colonel. Williams jokes that the only kind of lawyer he needs is for real estate transactions. Do you have your own lawyer? I have a realty lawyer, but okay. no, I don't have a lawyer. Once Smith has Williams in the right mindset, the conversation returns to Jessica Lloyd. I want to explain to you exactly what's going on here, okay? Uh, Jessica uh, Lloyd 
is um, is one of uh, four cases that we're currently investigating. Okay? Right. But Williams must know the questions will also touch on other recent crimes around his lakefront cottage on Cozy Cove Lane in Tweed, Ontario. Because he knows what the police don't. That beginning in 2007, when he was at the cottage, usually alone, a multitude of crimes would follow. Dozens of bizarre break-ins, women's lingerie and underwear stolen, almost all in his neighborhood and on his street, including two sexual assaults. These first two attacks happened uh, not that far from my place in Tweed. Well, the second one did. Yeah. We didn't even know the first one had happened, but uh, I understand that was reasonably close as well. But the second one was, uh, was very close. Notice he used the pronoun we, referring to his marriage. And he reminds Smith he's cooperated with police. So certainly at the time, the OPP did a door-to-door. Uh, -door. Yeah. And uh, within a couple of days, probably the same night, so I spoke with a couple of guys then. Okay. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm aware of that. You know, you've kind of uh, almost hit the nail on the head about uh, some of our issues that kind of uh, make us want to talk to, to Russell Williams, okay? Because mm. um, essentially, uh, there was a, a, a connection um, between you and, uh, and all four of those cases. Would you agree? Geographically, And then I guess or, I drive past, uh, yes, I, I would yes. have to say there's a, a connection, yeah. It seems unlikely that Russell Williams knew much, if anything, about the soft-spoken man sitting opposite him. Detective Sergeant Jim Smith is a veteran in the OPP's Behavioral Sciences Unit, which applies such techniques as criminal profiling and forensic psychiatry to crime investigation. It was Smith, acting on a hunch, who found the body of the missing eight-year-old Tory Stafford in Woodstock, Ontario, a year ago. There are few better at interrogation, as Colonel Williams was about to find out. Having set the scene with broad strokes, Smith now gets to specifics, like where Williams was the day Jessica Lloyd never made it to work. Friday on the day I was at home most of the time. Most of the day I had a sort of a stomach flu. Okay. In Ottawa or Tweed? Tweed. In Tweed? Okay. Yeah. Discussion turns to Corporal Marie Francomo, found murdered in her home three months before. Can't remember what, what day of the week we're talking about, but uh, obviously when your people gets killed, it uh, gets your attention. So. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm very much sure about that coming in. And how did you know Marie Francomo? I'd only met her once. Um, she was on a crew uh, I was on uh, just after I got to the base. In fact, the 38-year-old Como was an adventuresome military flight attendant at Trenton. She'd recently been a member of the crew flying Prime Minister Stephen Harper on a state visit to the Far East. Her friend Alain Plante spoke with her when she got back. She flew from Trenton uh, over the Pacific to go to Japan. And from there, when they came back, uh, they flew over the Atlantic. So she went around the world. I don't know many people who did that, so I was, I was curious and uh, happy for her, but because uh, her dream was coming true. Three days later, Marie-France Como's body was discovered inside her house in Brighton, Ontario. The cause of death was asphyxiation. Colonel Williams tells Detective Smith he learned about it from the military police. Now, you got that email notifying you that something had happened. Yeah. It's unclear what thoughts go through Williams' mind, but he seems to be grasping for something to say. Uh, do you have uh, any kind of a, a clear recollection as to how your schedule was going that week? 
Well, I can't remember what, again, what day that uh, the message came in. Just a second. Um, no, I can't remember what day, day of the week, but I, um, I just think there was a whole bunch of activity uh, spun up as a result, obviously. I can't remember the day of the week. Detective Sergeant Smith takes the bungled answer as an opportunity to set out in another direction, challenging Williams to prove he's innocent. So if we were to uh, do a similar uh, investigation in your background, is there, is there anything you can think of that anybody may have misinterpreted or anything uh, in your history that somebody might say Russell Williams uh, Absolutely. did this? No. Okay. Be very boring. What's that? It'll be very boring. <laughs> All right, because essentially that's what I'm looking at. Is it? Uh, um, I th you seem like a very intelligent person, and I think you can see how um, a surprise like that would uh, certainly set off some alarm bells in an investigation, right? Okay. Smith um, now gets to the point. He needs more than words from Williams. What would you be willing to give me today to help me um, move past you in this investigation? What, uh, what do you need? Well, um, would you be willing to supply things like fingerprints, blood samples, sure. things like that? Yeah. Okay. Watch what happens next. At the mention of footwear. Uh, footwear impressions. Williams yeah. looks at his feet. He's wearing boots. I think that's what we're going we're gonna to ask you to do. Okay. All right. Detective Smith leaves the room to find the necessary personnel. It's here that Russell Williams faces a crucial juncture. He can give Smith what he wants and risk the consequences, or he can change his mind and ask for a lawyer. Blame it on hubris or being a good soldier, but Williams doesn't flinch. He provides his fingerprints, blood, and DNA, and he lets them take prints of the boots he's wearing. Afterwards, the colonel is apprehensive about who might learn about it. Can I assume you're going to be discreet? It's possible, yeah. Because... Uh... You know, this would have a very significant impact on the base if they thought you thought I did this. Well, uh, bottom line, Russell, that's one of the reasons we're here on a Sunday afternoon. See how his arms are folded up? Now, this tells the interrogator he's in trouble and he's, he's nervous. Because when you fold your arms up, you're closing yourself up psychologically, okay? And look at, he's looking down the whole time. He's not making great eye contact. And, and the interrogator hits him with a great line in there. He goes, well, that's why we're here on a Sunday, because we wanted to be discreet. That's ridiculous, okay? Because they don't care about being discreet at this point. They, they care about getting them, but that's a great comeback. If you're an interrogator, right now you're thinking, this is a guilty guy. This guy is guilty, and I'm going to get him. Uh, that's certainly one of the things that went into our decision to, to give you a call at home today and see if we could deal with this today. Okay. So, okay. Um, It appears that even after giving police all that evidence, he still thinks he might somehow be able to walk away, yeah, reputation intact. But the commanding officer is not the one in charge here, and his body language appears to show that he knows it. That DNA is going to be uh, significant in our investigation, both, uh, you know, quite possibly to help you, quite possibly to help us. Yeah, I don't know yet. I don't know what the result is yet. Mm -hmm. um, Notice the quick smile. 
at mention of DNA left behind at his crime scene. When Smith asks about anything he may not want his wife to know, he shifts in his seat and frequently sighs. Is there any contact that you may have had with any of those four women um, that you may not want your wife to be aware of? Anything like that that we should know about to try and uh, explain why if, if your DNA is found, it would help us understand why it may be there. Absolutely not. Okay. Methodically, Smith goes over it all one more time, cementing William's categorical denial. Okay. Have you ever visited uh, uh, Marie Franz Como at her residence? No. Okay. All right. Um, so you're quite positive there would be no reason why your DNA would be in any Absolutely. of those three locations. Okay. Um, did you know Jessica Lloyd even in passing for any reason? No, I didn't hear, hear her name until it was on the news. What brought Colonel Russell Williams to the attention of the police in the first place was the SUV spotted from Highway 37 the night Jessica Lloyd disappeared and the tire tracks police discovered in the field. When they stopped Williams in his SUV, the tires were a match. Now, Detective Smith reveals to Williams that he knows it. What kind of tires do you have on your Pathfinder? I think, um, I think they're Toyo. Okay. Do you know the brand name, or sorry, the, uh, I think the make? Is, uh, um, I don't know. Sorry, the, the make is Toyo. Yeah. I don't know the model. Okay. I'll read this off to you, see if it rings a bell. The Colonel sees it coming. Ever heard of, uh, does Toyo Open Country HTS? That sounds Make any right. sense? Yeah. Okay. Smith gets Williams to deny he had ever parked the SUV with the Toyo tires in the field adjacent to Jessica Lloyd's house. Do you have any recollection at all of being off that road? No, it's not off the road, no. Okay. All right. Bad move, okay? What he should have said was, impossible. Couldn't have happened. But see, and you could see what's happening here. He's, he's got his arms folded and he's nodding. His body language is saying, yes, I was there. What's coming out of his mouth isn't that convincing as well. Because he, he's so, he is so tore up inside right now because he's thinking, where did I drive? What did I do that night? Where was I? Was I north? He's trying to think five steps ahead of this guy. It's just not going to happen. But his whole body is indicating, man, am I in trouble. I have a serious problem. Now, in his firm but quiet way, Jim Smith um, is about to make the transition from good cop okay. to bad. I told you when I came in here uh, that I'm going to treat you with respect, and I've asked you to do the same for me. Um, we talked about the whole idea of how we've uh, uh, approached you here, okay? Uh, the, the trying to be as discreet as possible, mm -hmm. okay? But the problem is, Russell, is every time I walk out of this room, there's another issue that comes up, okay? And it's not issues that point away from you. It's issues that point at you, okay? And I want I want you to see what I mean, mm -hmm. all right? This is the footwear impression of the person who approached the rear of Jessica Lloyd's house mm -hmm. on the evening of the 28th and 29th of January, yeah. okay? Detective right. Smith now knows, now, as the I'll colonel does tomorrow. too, that the prints belong to boots scale. owned by Russell okay. Williams. This is a photocopy 
of the boot that uh, you took off your foot yeah. just a little while ago, okay? Yeah. They're the boots Williams wore on January 28th, the very same boots he put on to come to Ottawa Police Headquarters today. These are identical. Your vehicle drove up the side of Jessica Lloyd's house. Your boots walked to the back of Jessica Lloyd's house on the evening of the 28th and 29th of January. Okay. You want discretion. We need to have some honesty, okay? Because this is, this is getting out of control really fast, Russell. Okay, really, really fast. Hmm. Paul Cialino is a former U.S. homicide investigator and interrogation expert. This is what we call a confrontation. And what's the colonel doing during this? He's nodding. He's going, his head's nodding up and down. That's an involuntary reaction, we call. But that's indicative of what's going on internally. And what he's nodding to is, holy shit, it's my boot. He got my boot print. He's thinking, God, how, did, how dumb am I to wear the same boots to the police station today? This is getting beyond my control, All right? I came in here a few hours ago, and I called you the way I called you today because I wanted to give you the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. But you and I both know you were at Jessica Lloyd's house, and I need to know why. William seems frozen, unwilling, or unable to speak. He grabs the paperwork and he's got it, right? Now what he's doing is trying to figure out an explanation to give this guy. Because he knows, man, I am screwed. I am so screwed. He's buying time. And we, and we call this buying time. Now what the detective does, though, is, is great. Because a lot of detectives, they'll keep talking. But silence is great, okay? Because now it becomes very uncomfortable. Smith tells Williams his window for explanation is about to slam shut. Russell, you know there's only one option. What do you, what do you, what other option is there? What's the option? Well, I don't think you want the cold-blooded psychopath option. I might be wrong. Okay, because don't get me wrong, I've met guys who actually kind of enjoyed the notoriety, got off on it, got off on having that label. Bernardo being one of them. I don't see that in you. If I saw that in you, I wouldn't even be back in here talking to you, quite frankly. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you got me fooled. I don't know. This is over. And it can have a a bad ending where Jessica's parents continue to wonder where her daughter's lying. And I don't know. I mean, obviously, there's a huge search still underway, and it'll continue. It'll continue until her body's found. That might even happen tonight, for all I know. 
once that happens, then I don't know what other cards you would have to play. What are we going to do? Smith not only wants Williams to confess, but perhaps even more pressing, to direct them to the body of Jessica Lloyd. The silence continues for half a minute. Then, a glimmer of hope. Press. What are we going to do? Call me Russ, please. For three and a half hours, Detective Sergeant Jim Smith has maneuvered Russell Williams into one very tight corner. You and I both know that the unknown offender, male DNA on Marie France Como's body, is going to be matched to you, quite possibly before the evening's over. It's late Sunday afternoon, and something dramatic is happening. Your boots walked to the back. Jessica Lloyd's house. Mark Mendelson is a former Toronto homicide detective, now a private investigator. What a moment. Oh yeah. Great. Well done. Surgical. In the way you did it. If you want to talk yourself out of the tire tracks, go ahead. Talk yourself out of the boot. I dare you. We're going to do blame it on the gardener who stole my truck and stole my boots, it's not going to happen. And you can see there's no response other than, he's, he's actually acknowledging, yeah, you're right, it is identical. There's no way out. Russell, hmm? listen to me for a second, okay? When that evidence comes in, when that DNA match, when that phone rings and somebody knocks on this door, mm -hmm. your credibility is gone, okay? Because this is how credibility works, all right? And I know you're an intelligent person and you probably don't need to hear this explanation, but I also know your mind's racing right now, okay? Because I've sat across a lot of people in your position over the years, mm -hmm. okay? The bottom line is, is that as soon as we get that, that piece of evidence that solidifies it, mm -hmm. DNA, okay? As soon as Smith keeps hammering home the message. If Williams wants any say whatsoever, he's got to show his hand now. What are we going to do? What are we going to do, Russ? And then it happens. A tiny crack in the colonel's armor. Is Jessica somewhere we can find her easily? 
I guess it's something where I can make a call and tell somebody to go to a location and they're going to find her, or is this something where we have to go and, and uh, take a walk? The awful reality his victims had known is now sinking in for Russell Williams himself. Which direction are we heading in here? Russ, maybe, maybe this would help. Can you tell me what the issue is you're struggling with? We've compressed Williams' many pauses, some almost a minute long. What's the issue you're struggling with? It's hard to believe this is happening. Why is that? Why is it hard to believe? It's just, it's just hard to believe. By now, Detective Smith must sense he's getting close. Russ, is there anything you want from me? Is there anything you want me to explain? Is there something missing that you're struggling with that I can shed some light on for you? And finally, his determination pays off. I'm struggling with how upset my wife is right now. Russ, what are you looking for? I'm concerned that they're tearing apart my wife's brand new house. So am I. But if nobody tells them what's there and what's not, they don't have any choice. Watch how Jim Smith now is in lockstep with Williams, each mirroring the other's gestures. So what am I doing, Russ? I put my best foot forward here for you, but I really have. I don't. I don't know what else to do to to make make you understand the impact of what's happening here. Do we talk? I want to um, minimize the impact on my wife. So do I. How do we do that? Well, we start by telling the truth. What follows is another half minute of silence. Okay. Okay. Then, a most remarkable moment. So where is she? Four hours, 40 minutes, and 10 seconds after they sat down, 
Um, is she close to where she lives? I've got maps of that general area. Getting Williams to view a map of the location of Lloyd's body is the turning point, says interrogation expert Paul Cialino. Every detective assigned to this case is watching this thing on tape, or uh, live feed. And, or, I don't see any mirrors in there, but there, there's a camera in there, clearly. So they're watching it. And uh, you want to know what they're doing? Yes, we got him. We got his ass. Yes, yes, yes. Go get him. I mean, that's what's going on outside that room. But right now, there's a big celebration going on because they know they own this guy right now. As we said before, Canadians have never seen anything like it. A police investigator at the peak of his powers interrogating someone so accomplished in their career, let alone a top-ranking military man especially someone responsible for a criminal trail of such willful cruelty. So far, it's been almost five hours of quiet, intense intellectual combat. Forensic psychiatrist Duncan Scott of Queen's University has met with Russell Williams weekly since his arrest. Watching him on, on tape in the confession, once he's said, get the map, I'll show you where Jessica Lloyd is, mm -hmm. is uh, dumped. He becomes very calm, it seems. Mm -hmm. And he's got an almost matter-of-fact way of describing mm -hmm. these terrible things. Just as if he would have to get up in front of, tell a whole bunch of people about the people that have just died under his, uh, under his uh, command and how he would have to write a letter and how he would go and talk to the individuals and keep his emotions at bay. That was something that uh, he had learned to do quite well. For Detective Smith, the priority now is find Jessica Lloyd. Which town is she near? Why don't we start there? I'm not sure if you gave me a map of that um, covers Caligar down to the highway and over to Tweed and south. I'll show you. Let me see what I got here. I might have something. Is she inside, outside? With the search for Jessica ongoing, Smith is equipped with maps of the area around Tweed. Where am I going on, the, uh, on here to get to her? In this block here. Okay. So you're pointing to... A detailed map of that area and I'll show you where she is. Is she close to a road? Yep. All right. Um, is it something where is she is she buried or is she somewhere where if you walk there you would you would fairly easily see her? It's here. How long has she been there for? A little over a week. Was it fairly quick from the time she left? Friday night. Friday night? Yep. So where was she between Thursday night and Friday night? In Tweed. With you? Yep. How long was she alive for? Almost 24 hours, not quite. Okay. Russ, you're doing the right thing here. Okay. Well. Again, my interest is in uh, making my, my wife's life a little easier. He knows to this guy, 
other than his military career, his wife is everything. What he's thinking, oh, I got 600 pairs of people's underwear in my house and my wife is gonna be out of her mind. How, do I want the TVs out in front of her house for the next two years? Do I want them destroying and ripping up the house? What can I do to make this better? It's an horrific bargain. Belated consideration for his wife in exchange for information about where he dumped the body of a young woman he brutalized and killed. Almost matter-of-factly, he then reveals where police can find the digital memory cards on which he keeps the photographs he takes of his victims while he tortures, sexually assaults, and kills them. And whose images are on those cards? Uh, well, I've erased them, but I expect uh, you'll be able to draw images of uh, Jessica and I. What about Marie? There may be images on there as well. And the two women from September? Yep. Detective Smith comes back to the question of where to find Jessica. William says she's exactly 0.7 kilometers from a certain intersection. How far off the road is she? 40 feet. Is she, is she covered with anything? She's wrapped up. In she's what? on the surface. Just a gray something or other cover. Okay. Barry, the obvious question I'm going to have for you is, When they go there, and they'll be there shortly, mm -hmm. they're going to find her. Oh, yeah. Early the next morning, February 8th, police recovered Jessica Lloyd, 0.7 kilometers from the intersection, exactly where Russell Williams said she would be. For Detective Jim Smith, the hard part is over. But now, the really hard part begins. The terrible litany of all that Williams has done. I put tape on her mouth. It is Sunday evening, February 7th. In the interview room at Ottawa Police Headquarters, the tension has broken. Russell Williams now ready to confess. What you're about to hear is sexual, violent, and could very well be disturbing. I guess it's uh, pretty wide open now, eh? Yeah. What do you want to know? Well, do you want to work forwards or backwards? Doesn't matter. Why don't we start with Jessica? How does that start for you? It happened 10 days earlier. Whenever Colonel Williams went from CFP Trenton to his cottage in Tweed, he drove right by the house where Jessica Lloyd lived. It recently caught sight of her working out as he passed by. Um, I saw her in her house on her treadmill. Wednesday night, I guess. And I noticed she wasn't um, there Thursday. So I got into the house to look around. Then 
then um, and then left. Noticed she'd come home. So I went back in. Through the uh, back patio door while she was uh, sleeping. So I woke her up, didn't, um, didn't hit her, she only hit her once, Friday night. While he assaulted Lloyd, his SUV sat in the field next to her house, his biggest mistake Afterwards, he drove her to his cottage in Tweed to continue the attack. Well, so I raped her in, uh, in her house. And then I took her to the car and took her to Tweed. William says the flashlight with which he hit her did more damage than he expected. Well, I was surprised that uh, her, her skull gave way. She was there and immediately unconscious. Uh, I strangled her. William says while Jessica Lloyd was unconscious, he strangled her with a rope and left her body in his garage while he drove to Trenton then to Ottawa for a weekend with his wife. He returned to the cottage on Tuesday and took Lloyd to the spot where she would be found the following week. Again, his tone in describing a beautiful young woman in her final moments is stunningly matter-of-fact. It's a similar story when he recounts the last night of Marie-France Como's life at her home in Brighton, Ontario. She was under his command at CFB Trenton and apparently it caught William's eye. Her house was 50 kilometers in the wrong direction from his cottage at Tweed, but he'd visited before when she was gone, then came back, entering through a basement window. Let's run. So when she spotted me, I uh, had the same flashlight. I subdued her, tied her up, got her upstairs. Upstairs, Williams also raped and photographed her. 
Though he was Como's commanding officer, his head and face were covered, and she didn't recognize him. He decided to kill her anyway. Did you take anything out of uh, Marie France's house or Jessica Lloyd's house? Uh, yeah, some of their uh, underwear. Okay. That's all. Detective Jim Smith seems surprised to learn how much of their underwear Williams took. Um, probably 60 pieces or so. All women's? Yeah, 60 pieces of theirs. Of whose? Of Jessica's and uh, Mary France. So you took 60 pieces from between the two of them? Yeah. Okay. It's a Next, the detective moves on to the two sexual assaults in Williams' neighborhood in Tweed. One victim lived just a few doors away from his cottage. As she's described it, she was asleep at home when she was surprised by an intruder. He blindfolded her, tied her up, cut off her clothes, choked, beat, sexually assaulted, and photographed her for two and a half hours. Williams recounts it somewhat differently. I did have the flashlight that time I hit her with the flashlight and thinking it would knock her out but it so and I subdued her with my weight took off her clothes took some pictures and left he told much the same story about the other sexual assault like almost everyone else detective Smith searches for William's motivation why do you think these things happen? Oh. Have you spent much time thinking about that? About why? Yeah. Yeah. Ask you this, did you like or dislike these women? I didn't know any of them. That may be as close to truth as we can get, that he had no feelings at all for the women he raped and murdered, even Jessica Lloyd, whom he held captive for the last day of her life. Can you tell me why you killed her? Right. Do you know why you killed her? Well, I think I killed her because I knew that uh, her story would be recognized. Her story would be recognized? How do you mean? Well, because she knew I was taking pictures. He says he worried Lloyd's case would be tied to the two assaults in Tweed, where Williams also took photographs. As for Corporal Marie-France Como, he rationalized he had to kill her because she was stationed at CFB Trent. Well, because um, I 
was pretty sure that uh, you know she was serving military, right? Mm -hmm. It would have been uh, it would have been difficult for investigators to ignore that connection. For Marie France Como, perhaps the ultimate obscenity is that after everything else, when she took her last breath, Williams recorded it on video. As for Jessica Lloyd, Williams bought her cooperation by promising if she did what he said, she would get her freedom. No, no, she just didn't put up too much of a fuss. Did she try and negotiate with you at all, or? I don't know. What did she say? Well, I told her that I would uh, let her go later on. But after humiliating and raping her and recording it on video, Williams murdered her, too. And how did you know she was dead? She, um, well, her body stopped moving. It is after midnight, now Monday, February 8th, when the door of interrogation room 216 closes behind Russell Williams for the last time. In a few hours, police would locate the body of Jessica Lloyd. After that, they would make their shocking announcement. Arrested Russell Williams, 46 of Tweed, for first-degree murder. He's a lousy, lousy, lousy at, at, at uh, murdering people and, and setting itself up. I think it's a, this is a horrible. Forensic psychiatrist Duncan Scott of Queen's University consults with the detention facility where Williams was held. He's met with him since his arrest, and he's not surprised the addiction to sex and murder led so far so fast. It's spinning out of control. And uh, that's what I'm trying to say about being messy in what he was doing. Um, he, he wasn't really uh, planning. It was just going on. It was, if it happened in front of him, it was kind of meant to be. And the urges were so overwhelming. And the rush, knowing what he's going to be getting from that, was again so overwhelming for him. That thirst, unquenchable for him. Dr. Scott says, as a murderer, Williams is unique. Academia is out the window at this time. There's no sample group of these types of individuals. There's no FBI huge base rate that we can sample and find out whether where this goes back to or whether there's something in vitro here or in utero and, and something happened during his upbringing or some horrible trauma that occurred to him. We aren't going to be finding that. But he says he does know one thing, that if Williams hadn't been stopped, he wouldn't have stopped himself. After watching the confession, Russell Williams' longtime and loyal friend, Jeff Farquhar, is now also convinced of that. It's just shocking is not a word that even comes close. Um, he is, I've had a tough time understanding how he might be portrayed as a serial killer and a sexual predator, but now I realize that He's the worst of the bunch. And to try and understand that, to try and put that in context with Russ, who I've known for close to 30 years, just as I said before, it doesn't add up. And not only does it not add up, but he's a bigger monster than anybody I've heard or read about. And it's uh, 
like I say, shocking doesn't even begin to cover it. Um, it's disgusting. I, I don't know what to say. You know, honestly, I'm, I'm really at a loss for words. And that's what scares me so much, is that, uh, my God, he really is maybe a, a psychopath. Chief OPP investigator Chris Nicholas. It was an excellent piece of police work on behalf of Jim Smith, who conducted this interview, one of the best interviews I've ever seen. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a smart man being outsmarted by a smarter man. It may be even better than that according to U.S. interrogation expert Paul Cialino. Because let me tell you what's going to happen. This tape will be played in every interrogation course in the world, English-speaking one, and probably other ones, as how to do it. This guy's doing it. This is classic. Before it ends, one of Detective Jim Smith's final questions to Russell Williams reveals exactly what was at stake. This didn't come to the point it's at right now. If for whatever reason you didn't end up on our on our radar, so to speak, uh, do you think it would have happened again? I was hoping not. <laughs>